James, I have a question for you. Oh my God, another question? Another question. This is a question of the day? This was forwarded to us from Nathan. I thought we were just going to have a relaxing coffee. Now suddenly you're doing like a podcast with me? Would you rather? No, bring it on. What do you got there? What are you drinking? Tea. What kind of tea? On a green tea with honey because I, I have a little bit of a cold. You okay? You You've been to the, you were at the dentist today, weren't you? I was at the dentist. I have a cold. These are all things I don't normally do. I don't, I haven't been to the dentist in like 20 years. Why'd you go? Necessity, plainly. Uh, yeah, I just want to, you, you know, were hurting. at a certain point, this is really true. At a certain point, if you don't take care of your teeth, you're going to die. <laughs> because teeth Can I tell you a secret, are, like, though? connected all to your Can heart, I tell you a secret? strokes, your brain. Tell me a secret. You're going to die one way or the other. I don't know if you knew I that. Don't, you know what? Statistically speaking, you're dead wrong. And I'll tell you why. For 30,000 or so days, I've woken up every single morning. You're right. The odds that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow are like one out of 30,000. That's like practically you're, winning the lottery. You're channeling Nassim Taleb's turkey, right? But, the turkey who wakes up on Thanksgiving Day and said, I've never had my head cut off before. Why on earth would I? So, so some area of statistics applies to power laws. Some areas of statistics right. apply to a bell curve. I don't know if my lifespan is a bell curve or a power law. <laughs> Conversely... The late great economist, so I'm sorry he did die, Gary Becker. I don't know if you know much about Gary Becker's work, but no. he's a great economist, really interesting guy, um, whose work was reviled. Is great initially. economist kind of an oxymoron? <laughs> uh, nice of you to say. So Gary Becker made a very compelling argument that all deaths are suicides, that there's no way that anybody can possibly live a life that doesn't contribute to a death that's hastened at least a little bit by making some bad choices. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody's got to die eventually, so your choices— Oh, they do. So your oh, small they do. choices so you're, get to be you're bigger and bigger. you're contradicting your earlier assertion. I am, yes, because I was being flippant before, and well, I James, apologize. if there's anyone that I wish did not have to die, I wish it was you. Well, after a certain age, if you lose quality of life, I'd be happy to kill myself. I have nothing against suicide. That's a good, uh, that's a good discussion for us to have yeah. at some point. Not now. But here's something that's related-ish. This me. question of the day was forwarded to us from Nathan, our producer, who gleaned it from Earwolf.com. So Earwolf is our parent overlord production company. That Someone named Harrison Smith sent it in there. Harrison writes, I am a fourth-year medical student who's about to graduate. And there's a very common question we are asked during our interviews for entrance into medical school. And that question goes, is healthcare a privilege or a right? Pick an answer and defend it. We are prefaced, he says, by saying that there's no right or wrong answer. Nathan thought it might be nice to have our perspective on this. And then he writes, thank you, and please keep the solid podcasting going. So even though the question appealed to me, I questioned his use of the word solid podcasting. That, <laughs> it feels like it's meant to be a compliment, I think but it we're feels like, very left-handed. We're like a fishing net where we, we throw the net out. And we see what fish end up alive in the net that we could eat later. Please keep the solid podcasting going. That's like leaving a restaurant saying, thank you so much. Please keep the edible food coming. Don't you think? Um, You're not offended by solid. I'm not offended. No, it's just I don't know if it's the right analogy for us. Yeah. Anyway, Harrison, I'm not going to hold it against you. I do want to answer your question. So, James, is healthcare a privilege or a right? I think it's the wrong question. So, I think— and let me, can I say one thing before I let you answer? 
Let's uh, please. Let me, are you? Am I going to answer your follow-up question here? You might. You might not. You can answer. Uh, ask, I'm just answer saying. A question before I answer. I'm just saying. Let's not get too distracted by the side argument of whether medicine is a fraud and doctors are imposters, which is kind of your position. Which, by the way, doesn't have that much credibility in my view because you actually wear a doctor's white coat sometimes while because, claiming. Because, yeah, my point is is that even someone like me can dispense with health advice and be equally as successful as a doctor doing it. Fair enough. I just, I just want to go on the record as saying that I think you're entirely wrong on almost everything you've ever said about healthcare and medicine. I'm, I'm but, almost entirely wrong on almost everything I've said about well, everything. You're, so. Except for your consistency, which is great. Okay, <laughs> so what's your view? Well, Why I, is it the wrong question? I think it's the wrong question because, let's say, um, someone every single day jumps in front of cars and is hit and is sent to the hospital. Is he as entitled to healthcare as someone who lives as healthy a life as possible every single day. I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just throwing it out there that that is a loop in the question. or It's, a, it's potentially a loophole in the question. So I think, you know, the most important person responsible for our own health is not the government or the hospital or the local doctor, but our own lifestyle, how our choices. And, you know, you're, you're a product of what you eat. You're a product of your stress, which means you're a product of the kind of people you surround yourself with. You're the product of what you do all day, every day for your health and for your living, to taking care of yourself. You're the product of how you spend your time. So whether you sleep enough, whether you eat well, whether you exercise, whether you, you know, read things that don't stress you out, whether you be around people, again, who, who are good to you and love you. So I think the biggest indicator of good health tomorrow is if you're healthy today and you're kind of the person who determines your health today. So then I don't know if it's the right question. Like, okay, for some people... Although it sounds like you're leaning certainly toward the what he calls privilege versus right if you're saying that an individual has so much determination over their health and therefore they produce the state of good or bad health to a large degree at least obviously there are exceptions no but i don't want to be i don't i'm not like uh, i'm not political on this so i think the role of government should be to help people who cannot help themselves but live in our country and are good actors in our country good players you know as opposed to people who who do everything they can to sabotage their own lives or the lives of others. So I think government does play a role here. But let's say genetics is 50% of your health, and then how you live your life is another 40% of your health. I think that remaining 10%, yes, government should provide some solution. Where this conversation is going, nobody knows. Stick around to find out. We just have to take a short break. I'm Arnie Niekamp from Hello from the Magic Tavern. This is what's going on. About a year ago, I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King into the fantastical land of Foon. I'm joined by my co-host, a talking badger. Mmm, please. And a magical wizard. I am Usador, blue wizard of the 12th realm of Ephesius. His name goes on a lot longer than that, but oh, we don't have so time for names. it. We interview adventurers, magical creatures, talking animals, and we talk about buttholes a lot. I apologize <laughs> for that. If that sounds interesting, download Hello from the Magic Tavern. Aye, and then you can join me in my quest to defeat the Dark Lord. Correct, Donald? Correct. Download it on Earwolf, and the entire back catalog is also on the Howl app. But I look at solutions that are already being provided in the marketplace, like Walgreens opens up health clinics. Some big department stores are starting to play with opening up cheap and easy-to-use health clinics. I think there should be a larger and larger role of companies in corporate America to provide health care. You know, it's not necessarily clear to me 
Like, for instance, I'm illegally uninsured at the moment because I'm just so bad with paperwork and, you know, four insurance companies in a row that I've used have gone out of business because of, you know, ostensibly they claim because of Obamacare. So I don't even know how to sign up for these things. I don't, I don't spend the time. I'm really bad at spending the time figuring it out. It's like a weakness of mine. So I don't know the answer other than the fact that if I'm going to make sure I stay as healthy as possible, I have to focus on it rather than say, well, if I just get sick, I can walk mm-hmm. into a hospital and the government has to treat me. Right. So, and again, I'm not saying government should not treat anybody. Uh, I'm saying there is a role for the government to treat people who need it and who can't help themselves. But I can help myself right now. If I get hit by a car outside, I sure hope I don't have medical bills. And I know that's a big cause of bankruptcy is individuals getting hit by a car and then having medical bills they can't afford. So the government should provide some help there. But again, it's not this universal right for every type of health care, ignoring how you treat yourself and how you take care of your own health. So it's interesting because even though you took umbrage with the question to some degree, you really answered the question, at least much more than we usually answer questions here. And I think I have a pretty good feel for what side you're on. But um, but but I do say there's a gray area because how do you determine where your responsibility leaves off mm-hmm. and the government's takes over? Right. I'm just saying people have a lot more responsibility than I think the proponents of free and easy universal health care suggest. Right. Like you have to take some responsibility and the government has to take some responsibility. But where they meet, I think I don't know the answer. I think that's right. unclear. The current solution doesn't work. So here's what I would say about Harrison's question. There's one thing I don't like about it, not as much as you don't like it, but I don't like his choice of the actual words. And I realize it might not be his choice. This might have been handed down from a professor for the assignment. But the choice of a right versus privilege, because to me, privilege connotes something that perhaps can't be bought. You know, we talk about, you know, whether it's first world citizen privilege, white male privilege, you know, these are things that we consider them unfair, not because of high price, but because of exclusion or inclusion. So I might phrase it as, you know, a state provided good versus a good for sale from private and or public providers. But I think there are two ways of looking. I think most economists would call healthcare that's a good for sale, right? So why should there be a presumption that healthcare should be provided, whether free or otherwise? It's a commodity that requires you know, human labor and capital investment, real estate, a million other things. Um, So if you want to make the argument that something like that should be free, if you want to make an argument that something should be free, air and water, I think, are easier to argue for. Although, as we're we're seeing now, water, water is becoming much, much, much more like oil than air. Um, And even air, obviously, you know, there's the problem with... um, It's not so much that I can steal your air, but I can certainly pollute your air and not pay very much for it. But, you know, interestingly, land, you know, how is land so different than water or air? A long time ago, we collectively decided that land could be owned, could be bought and sold. So so I don't understand how healthcare, which costs a lot to provide, is seen as something that can't be bought and sold. And I think that's a fundamental flaw in a lot of arguments for universal health care. But, but I think to really solve the problem, you have to kind of start from the bottom up rather than the top wow. down. Because, like, for instance, a lot of health care costs are related to the fact that the FDA takes 15 years to, and $2 billion to approve a drug. So a lot of health care costs would be a lot cheaper, let's say, if you decriminalized all drugs. But, you know, it's always easier to build any system, rebuild any system from scratch than to adapt. I mean, think about but, all but, that. But if you, if, you, if you make all health care 
are right, then the FDA could just keep charging pharmaceutical companies billions and billions of dollars, knowing that the government's going to back up their decisions. And drugs, I mean, we're seeing now, like, with that one scandal in the hedge fund world, I forget the thing, he started charging $50,000 for some drug simply because he can, because the government healthcare will pay for it, and the company had to spend $2 billion with the FDA to approve it. And meanwhile, this is a life-saving drug that anyone would have been willing to experiment with before it was approved. So let people make their own choices and have a little bit more determination over their own health rather than some bureaucrats who, who might not know anything and don't understand the, the macroeconomic issues that the fallout from all these policies. Right. So let me say this. Even though the wannabe economist in me very much identifies with the economist's argument that healthcare is a good like any other good and therefore needs to be priced accordingly. And if you give people, if you sell people an all-you-can-eat bundle, meaning healthcare, that I pay the same for no matter how much I consume, that some people are going to overconsume, which is going to make it more expensive for everybody. Right, which it'll is, be like the 80-20 rule applied which, to this. Right, which is a version of what we kind of see. On the other hand, let me say this, you know, cultural and social norms change over time, right? So slavery used to be the way that rich people obtained labor. Now it's considered repugnant. Racism used to be widely practiced and de facto accepted. Increasingly, it's not. So the when you way— you say practiced, it makes me think— People practice being racist so that finally they could be a professional racist. <laughs> uh, I'd like to think that's not true. Um, but, you know, the way the world works changes over time, and what was once considered impossible or impractical becomes possible, even practical. So state-provided health care, look, a lot of countries provide it. We traditionally haven't, outside of some programs, Medicaid and Medicare. Two big problems I see. One is, as we touched on, it's a lot harder to reform a system than to build it from scratch. We've got a very entrenched health care system where— Healthcare is getting up to about 20% of GDP, which is which just shows you how many jobs alone are dependent on it. And that number has grown over time a because lot, of these expenses lot. racked up by the FDA, bad insurance, and so on. But additionally, I think we're the only country in the world, and I'm probably wrong on this, um, but we're the only or one of the few countries in the world where healthcare is tied to employment, which makes so little sense. It has a history of why that's so. Particularly since we're moving towards what's it, called the gig economy, exactly. as opposed like corporatism is on the decline, incomes versus inflation are on the decline. Right. So the fact that we are tied to this corporatist world, which is different than capitalist for our healthcare, I agree, is unusual. And so that creates all kinds of problems, which is like job lock is one. People literally don't want to leave a job because right. they can't afford to not have their healthcare, which, I mean, Sad. think about it's how like, bad that, that is for that's any That's like slavery. But, I mean, think about it. Think about, like, I'm dependent on my employer to provide my healthcare coverage for me. What else should my employer be responsible for? Maybe my overall happiness. Should my employer... Well, your employer should be responsible for profits and sustainability and shareholder value. But then the argument, and by the way, we both know Charles Duhigg, who wrote Better, Faster, Smarter, that just came out. He mentions in his book, in a big study of done of various types of companies, the companies that were most likely to succeed are the ones that he called with committed cultures, meaning they focused on keeping employees for the long term as opposed to focusing on any other thing like shareholder value or customer value or whatever. So the companies that really did focus on employee well-being survived the longest. So they should do it out of their own self-interest companies. Once again, the free market is the answer to every question. It could be. All right. If healthcare, right or privilege, maybe we haven't settled it, but at least we've addressed it. 
I think this prescription to his question is not to worry about that answer and not to demand healthcare from anybody else, but to focus as much as possible on what you put into your body, how well you exercise, how well you sleep, how well you reduce stress in your lives, which causes inflammation, which leads to heart attacks, strokes, cancer, Alzheimer's, all sorts of other diseases, and try to find alternatives. Like when Walgreens opens up a health clinic at the corner, use that instead of going to an expensive doctor and using government health insurance and so on. And then if you're going to demand free universal something, it should plainly be free universal Wi-Fi. Free universal Wi-Fi. I like it. That'll be better for my health. What's the best way to show your love for Question of the Day? Just go to iTunes and write us a review. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe. That way, you won't miss this. Regardless of how you feel about the man, I want you to make a case for Donald Trump to be president. I had a feeling that's where you were going. All right, so if I had to make a case for Donald Trump to, to, to be, be president, president or to be yes. a good pre- or why he would be a good president. Why he might be a good president. All right. I'm, and by the way, I'm against voting for him for president. I'm not voting for anybody. But I want, I want to just see how you would make a case that Donald Trump would be a good president. 